All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome back to the second hour of Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I want to thank our sponsors for the second hour for making this show economically viable. Uh, They are Blue Gold Waters Technologies, Prophecy Platinum, Balmoral Resources, Golden Arrow Resources, and SGX Resources. Well, I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Jerry Robinson. Jerry is an economist, a published uh, author, columnist, uh, conference speaker, and I did hear him speak uh, down at the Liberty Mastermind Symposium, and he was fantastic, great speaker. Uh, he's the editor of the financial website ftmdaily.com. And in addition, uh, Jerry hosts a weekly radio sh- uh, show also entitled Follow the Money Weekly. Uh, that's an hour-long radio show dedicated to uh, deciphering the week's economic news and has appeared on numerous television and radio programs, including Fox News, uh, to discuss various uh, global economic topics. He wrote the best-selling book, Bankruptcy of Our Nation, 12 Key Strategies for Protecting Your uh, your Finances in These Uncertain Times. And I must say this is what I want to talk most to Jerry about today. I have a copy of Bankruptcy of Our Nation in front of me. Um, and I should mention that also, uh, very interesting to note at the very top of the book that uh, uh, John Perkins, who's been on this show, uh, he's the author of uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, uh, called uh, Jerry's book a provocative and mind-opening analysis. Uh, so I think that's interesting that uh, this former intelligence uh, operative of the United States, uh, well, we've had him on the show, is a very interesting fellow that he has also opined on, on this book. Jerry has spoken uh, on topics of money and economics around the globe, including the U.S., Israel, and Greece. He holds a bachelor's degree in economics with honors from the University of Tulsa, and he has taught a course in macroeconomics at the college level, and he is also editor-in-chief of the popular economic newsletter called Follow the Money Quarterly. Welcome, Jerry. It's really good to have you with me. Jay, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's really good to have you. I, I must say, though, that as I'm reading over your bio, I find it, knowing what I do know about you, I I find it kind of surprising that anybody uh, these day, in this day and age, would want to have you teaching economics. I mean, I can't imagine that you'd be teaching an economics uh, course at the college level uh, that's consistent with what other uh, economics courses would be teaching. Yeah, I made it through one semester, and then I kindly got my pink slip. You know, so oh. <laughs> let me know that. Yeah, you know, but of course the students loved it. You know, they loved hearing the you know the, the the basics of how money works. But Austrian economics, which is the school that I'm from, mm-hmm. just doesn't fly real well, as you know, in the in the college level. And they 
and they 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 kindly let me go after one uh, after one course. But you're right; it was not well received. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, Austrian economics is is not allowed to see the light of day, uh, or if the uh, if the light starts to come in around the drapes in the morning, they have to be shut real quickly mm-hmm. because uh, people. Uh, the truth is not always what people want to hear. Uh, I'm afraid, uh, and I guess we all have to examine our own hearts and minds and make sure that we want to hear the truth as well. And sometimes that's not easy. Uh, I would like you to comment on some of the concepts in your introduction. I mean, there's so many things here, Jerry, um, but. You know, you talked about excesses of empire. Um, are we in excessive empire now? Oh, of course. You know, and Ron Paul has been a champion of this for so long. And I know you just had your guest on, uh, you know, who's associated with Ron Paul and his group. And absolutely, you know, I think Ron Paul has stated it very clearly that, you know, we have over 700 military bases and over 130 nations. We're spread out just like Rome. And I think that was the even the thesis of uh, Freedom Fest this year about how America is like Rome. And so, so many ways, uh, we are like uh, a spread-out empire that is overextended. And when we take a look at the 2013 budget, for example, uh, from uh, President Obama that was proposed, and you take a look at how much we're spending, uh, it just doesn't make sense. You look at these numbers and you say, how in the world uh, is this sustainable? And, of course, it's not sustainable. Uh, fortunately, we have that permission slip from the Federal Reserve that allows us to keep uh, this whole thing alive. But uh, I think you and me both know that that's just a matter of time. It's a terrible uh, commentary on, uh, on, uh, on such a great nation at one time that was obviously uh, had a currency backed up by gold. Uh, we had a humble foreign policy at one point. I mean, I'm sure some people would disagree that we've ever had that, but uh, I really do believe that there have been times where we have, and mm-hmm. we've just gotten so far away from that, Jay, and I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate how you point that out consistently on your show, and I love the practicality of your show. Uh, as I've gone back and listened to previous episodes, i found that you're providing solutions, not just pointing at the problem and scaring people, but instead you're also saying, here's what we can do. And that's really what we try to do with the book as well, provide solutions to these problems for individuals. Exactly right. I mean, you you have to have hope for the future. You have to be able to see some uh, uh, some light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And uh, and sometimes uh, these days it gets, gets very difficult to see the light when you look at what's happening in terms of our personal freedom. You look at the NSA basically gathering every bit of information. This phone call, for example, this discussion. Uh, uh, you know, from what I understand, every piece of mail is photocopied now. That's put in the post office, so they know, and and they can uh, every phone call every every email every uh, probably every every place you go to visit on the website is uh, is available to them and 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 why why do they need this what why do they think they need this well the, the bigger question is is how, why are they not able to catch uh, criminals on Wall Street with this information why aren't they able to catch criminals you know I think there were just two prison breaks uh, you know one in Iraq and one in Libya and uh, for some reason the NSA wasn't able to to catch that before it happened. And so I think the big question is, where are all the, uh, the criminals that these guys should be catching? It seems as if this has been turned inward on the American people. The State Department put out a, its official annual report on the number of deaths that occurred from terrorism in 2012. They just put it out a few weeks ago. And it showed that 10 people, 10 American citizens, 
died from terrorism in the year 2012, and all of those occurred in, in Afghanistan, a theater of war. So yeah. there were zero terrorist deaths in 2012 in right here in our borders, and yet we spend trillions and trillions of dollars uh, fighting this phantom enemy. And uh, you're right, the NSA is total overreach. And to see what happened to Bradley Manning today, I was very happy to see that uh, he was not charged with the aiding the enemy uh, uh, charge, which was very, very good for people like you and me who try to expose the darkness. Mm-hmm. But for... Uh, but for the other charges, it looks like he might be in jail for a very long time. But the same thing with Edward Snowden and the NSA. Uh, it seems as if the people have been co-opted by the government to uh, turn against those who shine light into the darkness. And these guys in Washington and these guys in the military-industrial complex, they they operate in darkness, and they prefer it that way. And uh, it's just a sad commentary, as we said before, on uh, on just the state of our country. Thank you for breaking that news. I had not seen the news about uh, about Bradley Manning, and I and I believe that that was very very important. I know that one of the arguments that the prosecution was using, the government was using against him, uh, said that uh, if he if he spilled information into the public domain, he knew that Osama bin Laden was in the public domain. Therefore, he was aiding and abetting the enemy. He was aiding and abetting uh, Osama bin Laden because he was obviously in the public as well. I think that was one of the arguments that was used, was it not? It was, yeah. And uh, up at the top of our website on ftmdaily.com, we actually have a video of uh, speaking of Osama bin Laden back in the 1980s whenever... President Ronald Reagan actually dedicated the Columbia shuttle to the Taliban, uh, to, <laughs> to the Mujahideen, because they were freedom yeah. fighters in the same vein yeah. as the revolutionary fighters of our founding fathers. And he actually says this. We have it on video. Of course, That's he, incredible. He brought the Mujahideen into the White House, and and uh, as others have said, you know, we knew that Obama, or um, pardon me, on the Freudian slip, Osama actually had the uh, the weapons because we had the receipts. You know, so as we look all over the Middle East, we see an absolute wreck. We see absolute turmoil, whether it's Syria, whether it's Iran. Uh, this week, the Congress will be uh, voting, and um, I know they're going to pass it based upon the number of votes they have, to uh, place very, very, very heavy uh, new sanctions, which, you know, are almost a joke anymore, on Iran uh, in an effort to stop it from selling its one million barrels of oil for euros and they're, they're, the way they're able to do that is they're using Chinese banks to facilitate that trade. And so Congress is going after both Iran's oil exports, and they're also going after these Chinese banks that are facilitating the trade. You have bases all around Iran, uh, U.S. bases. And, you know, and then we wonder why a country like them wants a nuclear weapon. And uh, not that we really want to see an, a nuclear Iran, but I think that the concept of blowback is just completely lost on these officials in Washington. They just don't understand that their policies are in many ways creating the angst, uh, much of the angst that's around the world. Absolutely. And uh, recently a movie that I watched uh, called Dirty Wars uh, and the uh, the filmmaker, uh, even on Charlie Rose, was talking about how this blowback thing, how, um, you know, the, the uh, one of the... Uh, Muslim clerics that was killed by our drones. Uh, he actually was very favorably disposed towards the U.S. after 9/11. But when we went into Iraq and he started to become very militant and started to uh, 
uh, and, and started to become you know involved with uh, with with hostile activities towards the U.S. and then uh, and 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 the emphasis was on this blowback issue that uh, really they I mean what Ron Paul said and I we talked to Daniel McAdams about this a little while ago uh, when Ron Paul said uh, in the uh, in the debates the reason they're over here is because we're over there uh, Osama bin Laden himself said that of course but uh, but so did our CIA so it's it seems so logical why do you think it is that people uh, ha- are so reluctant to believe that could be true. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, what we go into in our book, and that is the petrodollar system, the system that was set up back in the 70s, which the United States has uh, all of its currency uh, tied to the to the uh, barrel of oil, to the price mm-hmm. of oil. And so uh, they have vested interests in the Middle East. They have to stay over in the Middle East. And what you'll often hear from the from the administration, uh, whether it's this one or the one previous, they'll say that the reason that they're in that region is to bring democracy. Right. Uh, but, but predominantly for the sake of Israel, they want to protect Israel. And, you know, a real quick test to see how valid and how sincere that is would be to ask the United States military simply to move all of their uh, military uh, forces and, and weapons into Israel and say, mm-hmm. we're going to set up a base here in Israel, and we're going to have a red line, and if anyone crosses this, we're going to destroy you. But the thing is, is that I don't think Israel really is the reason that we're over there. I think it's a smokescreen. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, it's to protect our petrodollar arrangement that we have, and we have rogue nations like Iran uh, that are selling in euros. We have rogue nations like Afghanistan, which... Uh, really blocked uh, the, the way for the TAPI pipeline that would go down from Turkmenistan, down through Afghanistan, down to Pakistan, and out to uh, India. And during the 1990s, Unical was uh, courting the Taliban, bringing them over, you know, lavishing them in Texas, and the Bushes were all involved. And they were trying to get this TAPI pipeline, bringing all of this, uh, these energy resources from Turkmenistan out to the, to the uh, coast in, uh, in India, and then be able to rush all this stuff out to the, to the world, because Central Asia has just a tremendous amount of resources. Well, the Taliban didn't agree, and then the next thing you know, 9-11 happens, 15 Saudis were on that plane, and yeah. yet we bombed Iraq and we bombed Afghanistan. And yeah. Saudi Arabia uh, <laughs> has violated everything that those two countries have as far as lack of democracy, lack of sure. freedom. But sure. they, they get away with murder, literally, because they take our dollars. Yeah, it's very interesting, and uh, you know, as, as Daniel McAdams did point out, though, when we were talking to him from Ron Paul's, Daniel McAdams was saying that, in fact, though after nine eleven, we moved our bases out of uh, out of Iraq or out of uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it was really ticking them off, and I, you know, it's uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, but this is the way the world is, and uh, there's so many things you point out in your book. Uh, this is, goes to the U.S. military overextension, too. You know, one of our guests recently uh, said, I think it was last week, Dr. Robert McHugh, was saying that he believes that the dollar will remain, you know, he's not worried about hyperinflation. I believe you are. But he's, he's suggesting the dollar will remain a relatively safe place to be as long as, as, long as the United States military can, uh, can, can afford to defend it. Do you think there's some legitimacy to that argument? Yeah, the U.S. military, and I know this may be harsh language, but it really is the dollar protection force. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. what it is. It protects our currency. And the 
to say that the uh, military, as long as it's in place, our, our currency will likely be okay, I think that's a very true statement. I think the point of disagreement I would have, uh, if it's a point of disagreement at all, would be that I just don't see how um, uh, we can literally force some of these nations not to have their own self-determination. I think the one area to look at, again, is Saudi Arabia. There is a ton of turmoil underneath the surface there, and we've talked to several Saudis, no several Saudis, and have talked to them about that kingdom, and there's a lot of rumblings beneath the surface. Uh, mm-hmm. If that country breaks open like an Egypt, or if mm-hmm. it has you know, a civil war on, you know, God forbid, like Syria, mm-hmm. uh, this could be a massive problem for the United States and our economy. But aside from Saudi Arabia... Uh, even China and Russia, their axis, they are growing very, very heavily dependent upon each other and less dependent mm-hmm. upon the United States and our mm-hmm. currency. And I think it's just a matter of time before our army, our our military, will not be able to enforce uh, what we have been able to enforce in the past because sheer economics uh, won't won't uh, allow it. Um, well, you so, know, yeah, one I of the things... True. One of the things that I just thought of as you were saying that is that uh, is that we rely on imports for so many places for strategic metals, for example, for many different things. Uh, and another thing I just thought of was that um, we, we had James Rickards with us recently, uh, author of Currency Wars. And, uh, and I thought of this earlier as you talked about the moves that our Congress is trying to, to put on Iran now. Rickards pointed out that, in fact, uh, uh, those moves have sort of solidified the BRIC nations to an extent and have caused them to look to set up their own banking system. Yeah, that's a perfect example of blowback yet again, that the administration just doesn't seem to understand that our policies actually create more chaos uh, instead of actually solving anything, and it drives other nations to, uh, uh, to do what they do. The, the BRICS nations are trying, like you said, to put together that development bank. They're mm-hmm. basically saying, if we're going to pay interest on loans, let's pay interest to ourselves or to our neighbors. Let's not pay it to the West anymore. Right. And that's a big showdown. That is the clash of civilizations. I think you're right. I think that the BRIC nations, and you've got a couple of countries in South America that are sympathetic at least, mm-hmm. uh, it is... Uh, uh, you know, we're talking really about, I, I believe that we're talking about a moral issue. I, I mentioned, I think, to you that I got interested in gold a long, long time ago because I was uh, convinced by, or at least it sounded logical to me as a young fellow, that there was a, a, a correlation between the debasement of a currency, the, uh, printing endless amounts of money, and the work ethic of a nation and the morality of a nation. Uh, does that ring true to you? Absolutely, yeah. The the dollar that we use and transact with today is a fiat dollar, as your audience well knows, ever since 1971. Uh, we could probably even go back further than that, but for sure since 1971, we've been a fiat currency, which means that the only backing for the uh, currency, realistically, is the full faith and credit of a bankrupt government. So that's that's a fairly immoral type of system, especially whenever the Fed uh, is allowed to print $1 trillion per year just to maintain our lifestyle. We've been living off of the kindness of strangers, as Peter Schiff has said over and over again, for so long. And at some point, that simply breaks down. Now, I want to interject one thing, Jay. There's one other mm-hmm. point I wanted to get across. Um, there is, there's something that we're following right now. It's called the Transatlantic Union. And yes. I don't know if you've been talking about that or if your folks are familiar with yes. it. But 
but that transatlantic union really has me uh, pretty concerned. I just want to give maybe a 30-second thumbnail sketch on it. In essence, please, yeah. Uh, in essence, uh, at the G8 summit back in, uh, or just a couple of months ago in in Ireland, uh, it was announced that this transatlantic common market was going to be pursued. And in essence, what it is is the collusion of the United States economy and the European economy, which requires. Uh, lots of, of uh, homogenizing of the different regulations. So our regulations on pharmaceutical drugs will need to match and mirror those of, the, of Europe's. And our intellectual property laws will have to mirror those of Europe's. And then once we accomplish this, then we drop our trade barriers and we create the largest free trade uh, agreement in history. And unfortunately, that just puts us one step away from a monetary union with the EU. And mm-hmm. the EU is just, you know, coming apart at the seams, as we well know. But this shows you how desperate the United States is. They have isolated themselves so much from the, from the East that they have to turn to, you know, corrupt institutions like the EU and try to form uh, a free trade agreement. And, of course, this free trade agreement is not seeing the light of day. It's being written by corporations. It's not going to be really a free trade agreement in the truest sense. And then the other one we're watching is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. These are both the same thing. They're both regionalizations. Uh, They're an attempt to, uh, to bring us closer together. And I tell you... um, this, in some ways, this could provide the United States with uh, the ability to stave off the collapse for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So these could happen. Uh, the goal is to have all of these implemented by the year 2015. And if they do occur, it could delay the uh, collapse. But, mm-hmm. if, but if these things don't happen, I can't see the collapse coming any later than, say, 2016, 2017. Mm. Well, the, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Trans-Pacific Partnership. On uh, We've had somebody on the show also. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he is a, a producer for Lou Dobbs, but uh, Curtis, and I'm forgetting his last name right, but he talked about that. And, and part of what's going on with that as well as the Transatlantic Union, I think probably uh, what you do is basically take away the sovereignty of the United States to make decisions. You have courts, international courts that decide uh, uh, that decide uh, to you know uh, issues that come up from time to time between different parties, right? So there's also the loss of of uh, sovereignty, as I understand. Yeah, that's it. Is that, exactly, is that your... it's an attack on sovereignty, and they'll set up an international, well, not an international, but they'll set up a body that uh-huh. uh, becomes a mediator between the two nations, and that mediator becomes the most powerful uh, mediator on the planet because over 50% of all the global trade occurs between you know, the United States and the EU between exports and imports, you know, all told. So, yeah, we're, we have our eyes on this very, very much, and unfortunately it's just not anywhere to be seen in the mainstream press, and the average American has no clue. And the way they'll sell it to us is they'll say this is they'll say what uh, uh, the EU Commission President Barroso Mario Barroso said. He said this will be the cheapest stimulus plan for Europe. And when I heard that, I said, "There's the sales pitch. That's exactly yeah. how they'll pitch it to the U.S. Yeah. Look, we, we can't keep printing money. Let's just join forces with the EU and let's let's create more jobs, and it'll be a cheap stimulus plan. We won't have to raise your taxes yet." And uh, and I think Americans will blindly go along with it. Unfortunately, this is really a disaster, though. 
I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's more, you know, instead of going the way we should go towards decentralized government so that the people have more to say about what's going on in their lives, what we're doing is moving away from that towards concentration of power in the hands of fewer and fewer people. And, and, and of course, uh, from our perspective as Americans, uh, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence that said that we uh, you know that that we are that we are as individuals are somebody special created by by God, uh, and that uh, the government is here to serve us rather than the other way around. It seems to me the, the direction we're heading uh, is uh, is towards the all the people becoming servants or slaves of the government. Do you see it that way? I do, and with the NSA revelations and just the response to them, I think has been really appalling as well, because we have we saw initially a total shock, maybe even a mm-hmm. denial at, at first of the American people saying, really? Is the government really listening in to us? Are they really doing this to us? And then we it finally soaked in, but then if you take a look at the polls, it seems as if what's occurring is the average American doesn't like it, but he's going along with it. Yeah. And sadly, this is what happened, and I hate to make this stretch, and this really isn't hyperbole, but this is the same thing that happened in Nazi Germany. They mm-hmm. began to take rights away slowly, and like a frog in the boiling pot, people mm-hmm. lost their rights, and they thought it was for their own good. I was just in the airport flying out to a conference in uh, Colorado, and I was watching all of the people sticking their hands in the air in these naked body scanners, uh, people, yeah. the TSA rummaging through their luggage, Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, what has happened to this country? How did mm-hmm. we get here? It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said, somebody the other day made a note that, in fact, uh, Hitler never did anything that was illegal. So we're passing these yeah. laws, and, uh, you know, the yeah. NSA supposedly has a, se- has a secret court that uh, just gives a, really a, a blank okay to anything the NSA wants to do. So it, it, and it's all legal, right? So it's, yeah. it's all legal, supposedly. And last week, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Drudge Report tried to spin it as if it was a Democratic uh, uh, sleight of hand. But unfortunately, last week, uh, it was the Republicans who rammed through this, uh, uh, they, they shot down Justin Amash's uh, amendment that would provide mm-hmm. some sort of meaningful oversight mm-hmm. and uh, stop some of the madness out of the NSA. And it was the Republicans who want limited government and less government. They're the ones who actually, uh, you know, shot that amendment down. In fact, it was the Democrats who uh, were in the minority on that vote. So you know, I find this to be... Uh, almost twilight zone whenever the republicans who want smaller government and less government intrusion when they're actually pumping up the nsa and trying to get it more power you know you're in trouble when the republicans you know who have always been viewed at least uh, by the public as being a uh, a pro privacy type of party well uh, hopefully the whole two party uh, illusion has been broken down in most people's minds hopefully that's beginning to break through to people well, I think it is an illusion for sure, and we had David Stockman on this show last week, and he talked about how, in fact, the Republicans uh, put through the biggest farm bill ever in a year in, when, in which farmers are doing as well as they've ever done. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you're out in the out, out there in the Midwest and I guess out around um, – Oklahoma or Alabama or someplace oh, like that, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Arkansas. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you would agree with that, but certainly David Stockman is making the point that Republicans who have always been uh, the smaller government people seem to be as much interested in, in being on the take and getting uh, elected. Uh, we also talked to Daniel McAdams, and he talked. He, he pointed out uh, some numbers in terms of the people that voted against 
uh, a mash uh, the other day are the ones that are getting significantly more money from uh, from the military industrial complex yeah, and so, so, it's, so it's, and we think about eisenhower's warning about that military industrial complex how much of a profit he was whether he wrote, he realized it or not here was a man who was a five star decorated general you know telling us warning us even now from the grave do not let this out-of-control military-industrial complex uh, hijack your country. Mm-hmm. And when we see what's happening, you know, these bombs that they make at these bomb factories, they have shelf lives. So whether they use them in war or whether they go out and drop them on barrier reefs or whether they go out and drop them in the ocean, they have to be dropped because they yeah. have to keep pumping them out because there's public, st- there's public stockholders, shareholders to these companies. They have to keep oh, nice. selling them just like hot dogs. I never, never, I never, I never thought of it in those terms, but that that makes a certain amount of sense. And uh, you mentioned Eisenhower, Kennedy, uh, John Kennedy also warned about secrecy, uh, and we play that tape sometimes also on this show about how uh, about how uh, secret societies, uh, you know, are, are just are repugnant to a democracy, and how uh, he and, and it seems to me that what we've had were it not for the revelation of Snowden and some other people. Uh, earlier the, about NSA, we wouldn't even know. Uh, and and but as you say, if people don't care, uh, and they're you know more interested in Desperate Housewives or whatever the latest entertainment is, then I guess uh, you know, I guess I guess it's sort of inevitable. In fact, uh, in your book, at the end, towards the end of your book, you make the point that in fact, let's see if I can find it exactly, but uh, essentially you were saying, well, not maybe it was more in the introduction uh, about how we are. Following Rome, I believe, how we're following, and how basically uh, our destruction is is basically um, well. Here it is, uh, the last line in uh, on page fourteen. Put simply, America's fall is historically identifiable, though unfortunate, and it's all but certain. In other words, uh, the handwriting is on the wall, right? It seems it to is. be. It is, and at a conference that I was just at, I was referring to a while ago, I had a gentleman come up to me, and he said. Uh, that he didn't believe that hyperinflation would occur in the United States, you know, for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I realize that there are many different views, but there's really only one set of economic laws. And when you violate those laws, you get the same kind of response every time. And the United States has printed so much money, uh, and that money is predominantly not here in the United States. It's it's uh, It's in computers, and it's also... Uh, in in the uh, holdings of these foreign reserves around the world. And uh, once again, once we see a move, whether it be China being backed by gold, you know, with their yuan, which they certainly seem to be angling to do, or whether some other type of arrangement occurs, there will be uh, a, a run on the dollar, and those dollars will have to come back to their source of origin, and the only way to suck those dollars out will be higher interest rates, and our economy really can't handle that now. So uh, I, I don't I don't envision a Mad Max scenario, Jay. I don't see all of us living out you know in the streets and you know that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of us getting a lot more hurt than mm-hmm. any of us can realize. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it even means that we we become a more of a, a surf nation, we become a renter nation, much like we are now, indebted mm-hmm. with student loans and indebted mm-hmm. with credit card debt uh, and, and mortgages. I think that that's really the kind of place we're going, and it's going to lead to a much humbler nation uh, that doesn't have quite the overextension that we have now. 
Well, I think you're, you make a very good point because I think, uh, I think the decline has already started with the, with the indebtedness and, and Detroit, uh, probably is, is the first of, uh, from, from what we're told, the first of many more cities to come in which people have been promised, uh, things, politicians promising good pension funds in order to get votes. Uh, it was easier to do, uh, because it was down into the future and, um, but you know we're seeing where that's leading, and a city like Detroit is becoming totally dysfunctional now, with uh, traffic lights not working, cops uh, being able to show up at, at the scene of crimes 50 minutes after the fact, uh, cop, cop cars breaking down, no, no fire departments, they're shut down because there's no money. So it's it's clearly, uh, I mean, in certain parts of the country, and I I can't say that I'm suffering like this. We're we've had it pretty good, uh, Mrs. Taylor and I. We're not extremely wealthy, but we're comfortable middle class people. Uh, but you there is a vast, huge number of people in America that are already that are already hurting very badly. But you made a point, Jerry. I think is worth uh, talking about, perhaps for a moment, and uh, we can go to break. I don't know if you could come back after the break for a couple oh, minutes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But but I, what I'd like to get to is this uh, this issue of humility, uh, and I'd like to also just mention that in the um, in the opening uh, pages of your book on. Uh, you talked about. Let me just turn to it here. Uh, you talked about. You thought it was important, in fact, uh, to let people know where you were coming from, your worldview. Uh, would you mind talking about that just for a minute before we take a break? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, basically, uh, I come from a Christian worldview. I believe the Bible to be uh, the Word of God. I believe that mm-hmm. to be literal, and and so I, I do view. Uh, the Bible as the ultimate source of truth, and I wanted people to know that before they read the book, not after or find out later. I wanted so, them to, I wanted them to know that that's where I was coming from, and that does color my worldview. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. No, it, it most certainly would, and it, it certainly is something I think that probably most people don't think that much about. But to me, it's very, very important. If you believe that there is a creator, as the founders of our our, our country did, and they said so in the Declaration, uh, that we're endowed by our creator, capital C, uh, you know, for certain inalienable rights like life, liberty, and the pursuit of uh, of happiness or property, which uh, initially was written in and changed to happiness, uh, it certainly would. All these other things that we're talking about, uh, or the freedoms that we enjoyed for so many years, I think stemmed from that basic philosophy. Would you agree? I do, and I think uh, having that knowledge or having that worldview uh, allows us in this book to tackle some of the most difficult and thorny problems head on because we have a hope. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and our, and my hope, you know, is not, uh, in, uh, the kingdoms of this world. I believe mm-hmm. that, you know, that God, uh, is the solution to all of our problems. But nevertheless, we still have to make things work while we're here, you know, on this mm-hmm. earth. And so, uh, so that's really what we did in the book. We tackled some of these really tough problems, but we tackled them, I think, with an infusion of hope, uh, mm-hmm. not with despair, because, mm-hmm. you know, those who do believe in God, uh, have a great hope. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons that I've had on this show, um, you know, some scientists that actually, uh, you know, provide tremendous amount of, of of evidence. I think from a scientific point of view, so it's it's not just some sort of uh, wild, crazy idea uh, that uh, that there was a creator, there was a beginning of time, and uh, the power rests in that 
in that uh, in that creator's hands to control history and and our future and beyond that of course the notion that there's life in some sort of form that we can't really fully understand now uh we until we pass to the other side but uh but i think if you have that view then then there's not so much of a reason to rely on caesar for our answers and to me that's what's happened is that uh, we have uh, successfully uh, in this country convinced everybody that there is no creator, not everybody, that's not fair to say, because there's a lot of people that believe in God in this country, but we've been, uh, through evolution, evolutionary theory, which is completely uh, false now, I think it's scientifically implausible, impossible, and it's been proven that's the case, but nonetheless, like many other big lies, it continues to be uh, told over and over again, and people believe the big lie, and and that has then allowed us uh, not believing in a creator, in something beyond this life to trust totally in Caesar and now we're trusting in uh, whether it's uh, Obama or Bush or Hitler or Stalin we've got to have some human being and it obviously isn't working out too well but again the hope thing and the humility is another thing and Jerry one of the things I think and and I want to get to after we're going to go to a break and if you can come back a few minutes and to talk to you a little bit about what some of the things people can do to plan for the future some of these things as you say as long as we're alive on this earth we have to take care of ourselves as best we can so uh, if uh, uh, if you can come back with me, I'd like to have you address some of those issues. Sure, no problem. Okay, uh, we're going to go to break now. When we come back, uh, we'll have a few more words, a few more minutes with uh, with Jerry. Don't go away. I'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network in this climate of increasing global economic uncertainty just one safe haven remains precious metals led by a strong proven management team prophecy platinum is actively developing the well-green platinum group metals nickel and copper property a large, easily accessible deposit in the Yukon with an estimated resource of 1 million ounces of PGM and gold indicated and a further 11 million ounces inferred. Large deposit, excellent infrastructure, impressive drill results, and increasing international demand. To learn more about Prophecy Platinum and the Wellgreen Project, visit prophecyplat.com. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm uh, pleased to have Jerry Robinson back with me for a couple more minutes here be, uh, before we go to our next break. But, uh, Jerry, uh, when, we were, uh, when we went to the break, I was just talking a little bit about, I know that your book offers a lot of practical solutions, too. You mentioned earlier that, uh, in fact, I think you're much more about that than I am, and I, I, I want to try to learn from your book and from what you're doing to try to help people in this show and my subscribers as well. Uh, but but we're in this situation now, and we can't we can't get out of it. You know, the other day, uh, Richard Mayberry is a, a newsletter writer that I read. I don't know if you know him or not, yeah, but he, yeah. uh, uh, Richard, you know, I, I was brought up as uh, as a Mennonite, as a pacifist. Uh, I did, I uh, worked in a hospital instead of going to Vietnam uh, in those days, and um, and so I've always been sort of against buying defense stocks. I mean, it just seems to me that if you buy defense stocks, you're you are aiding and abetting, uh, you know, the stuff that I don't believe we should be doing overseas. And yet, on the other hand, there's no way out of this system. We're all part of it. We pay our taxes, and the taxes go. We have to pay for Obamacare now. Pretty soon, we're not going to have a choice. We're going to basically, uh, you know, we we. So the point is, there's there's no way out of the system, is there? And you have to. You have to be a part of it. So, where do we go from here? I guess, and and you, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, there's the sort of the moral issue, the moral question: Should I just go out and buy uh, the defense stocks because they're going to just keep spending and spending and spending? Uh, is that one way? To, what, what what are you offering to your uh, people uh, that you talk to on your radio show and your newsletter in your book? What are some of the ideas? Well, how can people? Um, how should we go about facing this very difficult future? Well, you know, we can really distill it down to just three basic uh, principles, and that is, and they're all based on diversification, uh, which to some people may be boring or redundant. You know, well, I know I need to diversify. But we actually get into some interesting areas. We talk about the diversification, number one, of your savings. Uh, what my wife and I have done for many years now is we diversify a six-month liquid pool of savings. We always have six months of savings on hand of cash. But if you keep that in U.S. dollars, you know, you're kind of defeating the whole purpose. So what we do is we divide it three ways. We take one-third of our six-month liquidity, and we put it into gold and silver. We take another third, and we place it into stable foreign currencies, which is kind of an oxymoron now. And (laughs) And then we also put the other third in U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's six months of liquidity. When I say six months, I mean six months of your annual salary. Mm-hmm. And we keep that diversified. And that actually has outperformed just a regular money market account by uh-huh. by just unbelievable amounts. Oh, the, that's interesting. So that's the first step. The second step is to diversify your investments. And the typical yuppie retirement plan in America, Jay, is a house and a 401k. The mm-hmm. problem is they're both government-controlled. Uh, the government can obviously raise taxes or distribution taxes on 401ks, which is why we warn against them and uh, urge people not to put all of their money in those things. And also, uh, the House, uh, although it's a wonderful tax haven, in many ways, uh, all of those can be taken away whenever the government gets hungry. And so, and of course, property taxes. So we say, let's diversify. And some of the areas that we like, we call PACE. And it's very easy to remember. We call it PACE, acronym P-A-C-E. It stands for P, precious metals, A, agriculture, C, commodities, and E, energy. Now, these are four areas that have outperformed, oh, gosh, for the last, at least the last decade, and they Mm -hmm. always outperform in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, Doug Casey was talking about this back in the 70s, you know. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the same type of uh, uh, diversification in your investments that we want to look for. 
Now, you don't put all your money in those areas, but that's certainly mm-hmm. the type of, of uh, investments that you can uh, make that will insulate you from uh, the type of crisis that we see ahead. The other, the final diversification mm-hmm. method is one that many people don't think of, and that is diversifying your income. Mm-hmm. Uh, the typical American family today has three streams of income. Uh, mommy, mom works, dad works, and uh, usually they have like a CD throwing off some interest. But the truth of the matter is, is there are at least 22 different income streams that people can create both now and in retirement. Some of these are harder to create than others. Some of them are very easy to create. They just take a little bit of time. Uh, we say that, you know, some people have money, some people have time. Everybody wants both, but no one has neither. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, every you know, basically it's just a matter of prioritization. So if you're working really hard and you're listening to this program and you say, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm just not making enough money, well, carving out some time in the evening to develop another income stream is what I would recommend. And in our book, we actually list all 22 income streams and we provide information on our website about how to get those started. And uh, uh, so I think that there are a multitude of things that people can do to protect themselves. And the illustration that we often use, Jay, is when you find yourself on the Titanic, you realize that the time for debate is over. You know, that the time to prepare would be right now. And so we encourage people who are listening to this program, if they concur, you know, with your beliefs, if they concur with my beliefs, mm-hmm. we want to we urge them to take action. Uh, we really don't have a whole lot of time in my mind to be preparing and doing the basic things that would protect us and insulate us from a major crisis. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we need to redeem the time that we have and uh, really set forth to, you know, to create a solid financial plan. Our book is filled with information about that. Our website is filled with information about that. And, uh, and of course, our radio show, we talk about that quite extensively, too, as you mentioned. Yeah, well, well tell our listeners your website. What is it? I, didn't, I failed to mention it. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's Follow the Money. The name of the website is Follow the Money. It's FTM. It's just the acronym there, uh-huh. FTMDaily.com, FollowTheMoneyDaily.com. And uh, when they go there, we have a radio show, we have a newsletter. Our daily newsletter is actually very popular. It's free. They can sign up and get our email newsletter. We send out economic news every single day. Our book is available there, Bankruptcy of Our Nation. It has all 22 income streams and all of the uh, different investment ideas. And uh, we also have a radio show there that's weekly. You know, we come on once a week, and we've had on some of these guys that you mentioned, you know, Perkins, John Perkins, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, some of these other fellas. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I I really encourage people to check it out and just take advantage of our free resources and, you know, educate themselves. Yeah, indeed. And so what time is your radio show on? It's on Saturdays, I believe, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it comes on Saturday mornings right around 10, right around 10. Uh-huh. It's, it's not live, so it's actually uploaded, so they can download it. That's 10 it o'clock in your, in your time zone. It would yeah, be 9 o'clock in New York? Uh, uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, or 11 o'clock, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 11 o'clock in New York, uh, Saturday mornings. And that, again, they can go to ftmdaily.com. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very good. Well, it is a great book. I, I really, I mean, we just basically 
uh, hardly talked about it at all. There's so many charts. There's so much great information in here. Uh, I, I think there's an awful lot of uh, a lot, a awful lot of wisdom in here, and I, I appreciate your honesty, Jerry, about your uh, about your world view because I think that's so important. You know, whether you like it or not, you're going to have a world view. Whether you know it or not, you're going to have a world view. And underneath that, uh, you know, has so much to do with the way you live your life. Uh, but just to give our listeners some some sense of uh, some of the chapters here. Uh, chapter three. I'm looking at the rise and fall of the golden permission slip. What's that golden per- permission slip all that, about? That's What's that? about the bread and woods and the uh, gold backing of the dollar. Uh huh. And, yeah, and how we. Yeah. Yeah. And and petrodollars. I mean, you have an awful lot of information. You talked about that in Dallas as well. Petrodollar wars. It's a very important, uh, a very important concept and. Um, as you say, very, very, very important now and in the future and what's going on and why we're overseas. What about the fracking and the oil, uh, sort of the, what's going on now, the increased supply of natural gas and oil that's occurring as a result of the fracking? Will that, yeah, that lessen that, some of this issue? Yeah, well, we talk about that in the book. And also there was, you know, speaking of, and you might have already mentioned this, but the, there was a Saudi prince who came out uh, this week and expressed great concern publicly about mm-hmm. fracking that's going on in the West. And, in fact, Britain is getting very aggressive as well with fracking now, and it has Saudi Arabia concerned uh, yeah. because they can see their demand going down over time. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I don't really buy into the whole fracking renaissance uh, mm. here in the United States because mm. the, in- the infrastructure is wrong. But we could probably talk about that another time. Yeah, that would be another time yeah. for sure. Well, I know one guest that we've had on this show, Chris Martinson, is also very skeptical. He says these are very short-lived uh, wells and the natural right. gas. If we try to do, uh, you know, ship it overseas, there's a lot lost in that transfer and all that. So, uh, yeah, there's so much to talk about. But more than that, folks, please go out and check out ftmdaily.com. Uh, because there's so much there, and this book is is it's really a it's really a gem. It really is. There's so much there, a lot of good practical ideas, and I think Jerry has really nailed it in terms of explaining why we're in the mess we're in right now. Understanding why we're where we are and and why things aren't going to change is very very important. And then having some ideas about how to proceed given the realities as they exist, not as we might want them to exist, but as they actually exist is really, really important. So thank you very much, Jerry, for being with us. I really appreciate you coming on my show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Folks, don't go away. I'll be back with some closing thoughts on today's show and also a word about next week's guest. Don't go away. I'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine, operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. 
SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, uh, Jay Taylor, and just a word on today's show. Well, we really did enjoy having Jerry Robinson with me for the first time. Uh, I, I think his, his book is excellent, um, uh, and uh, I would really encourage you uh, to check out uh, his work as well. Uh, the, just so much in this book, The, greater, the Greatest Debtor Nation in World History, Chapter 8, uh, chapter 9, The Retirement Crisis, it really has some practical aspects about how to prepare for that. The Coming American Hyperinflation and Dollar Collapse, well, we didn't have a chance to talk to Jerry uh, about about that. I think there's also an equal uh, potential for a deflationary depression before that happens, but uh, he might agree with that and think inflation comes later, as some other people in this show have. Uh, breaking free from the consumption trap, how can we learn to live on less uh, you know, so many practical things here in Jerry's book, and I think there's a spiritual element of it as well. And I think, honestly, as times get more and more difficult, there will be more people looking uh, to answers uh, from the spiritual realm uh, than they are when things are going really, uh, really, really well uh, financially. In any event, uh, we do, as Jerry mentioned, have to take care of our day uh, our daily um, lives and the things we have to do from you know each and every day. So uh, I am looking very very closely and spending time with the gold mining shares. I think that we, as as I mentioned earlier at the start of the day show, we're seeing a bottom uh, uh, for the fourth time. We've seen uh, an index, a gold share index, the S and P uh, and um, uh, the, the S and P and TSX gold share index has has hit a bottom. Uh, that was as low as it was in 2008 and as low as it was when gold was uh, below uh, around $300 an ounce. I really don't see an awful lot of downside uh, in the gold share markets right now, and I see an awful lot of upside potential uh, that could come our way as well. But, of course, uh, as Jerry mentioned, you know, times are very, very uncertain. So we have to keep that in mind as well. I thought his ideas of a third, a third, and a third – in terms of preparing for the difficulties are, are uh, very, uh, very appropriate as well. Daniel McAdam, it was really a pleasure having him on as well. He really works very closely with Ron Paul. And I think in terms of keeping up to date with what is really going on in the world from a geopolitical point of view, 
and not and and not through the lens of the establishment, but through I think a lens that is a, a clear lens and not a rose-colored lens uh, that you get on the mainstream media. I think the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity is a, just a fabulous. Uh, organization. I have uh, made a small contribution to this institution. I hope to have Daniel on on a fairly regular basis, perhaps Ron Paul, and a lot of other people that are associated with the Institute, such as Judge Napolitano uh, and uh, and others, uh, Congressman Kucinich, for example, as well as uh, other congressmen uh, that are uh, from the Republican Party, a couple of them that are there as well. Lots of academics, lots of very, very brilliant people that are uh, that are part of this organization. Uh, so the Ron Paul Institute, uh, and it's ronpaulinstitute.org is where you should go. Uh, lots of information every day available there. Uh, I, I just think it's a very, very interesting, valuable site to go to. Uh, and also uh, support Ron Paul. If you believe in Ron Paul's foreign policy uh, views, then I think this is a way that you can show him, not only show him, but also help the organization do what you believe is right uh, and on uh, uh, foreign affairs. Certainly, it is something that um, uh, that the military-industrial complex, the neocons, are fighting like like never before. Uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk to Daniel about all the neocons and who some of the adversaries are in this battle for peace and prosperity. Uh, but uh, in any event, they're out there, and you can learn all of that at Ron Paul. Uh, Institute. I uh, should mention uh, that uh, we are just about out of time. Um, there, there are a number of stocks uh, that I talked about in my newsletter last weekend. I am, I am getting very, very excited about the gold mining shares. I think we're running into a time. Sandgold, who I had on last week, had a nice run uh, after Mr. Brzezins was on the show. That is certainly a favorite of mine, but there's many, many others, and I talk about them each week in my newsletter. I hope you'll give my newsletter a try. Go to miningstocks.com. Uh, you can sign up for a trial subscription, which doesn't cost much at all. My engineer is telling me we have 30 seconds left, so I want to thank Tacey Trump, my producer, and Matt Widener, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Next week, I hope to have Eric Coffin and uh, possibly Jim Rogers with me. We'll see. Uh, we'll have another exciting guest, and you'll learn about it before the show next week. So uh, thanks again for listening, and until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.